Hey everyone, I'm Matt. And I'm Doug. And we're the most important two-thirds of Casual Tutors. We kicked the, the fat to the curb and Kyle is out, at least for this week. He will be returning, unfortunately. Hopefully in time to at least edit this episode, because I know I don't want to do that. Yeah, it, it definitely. Kyle, if you're listening to this, because you have to listen to this because you're editing it, thank you for editing. You uh, smuck. Yeah, this is what you get for going looking at a bunch of rocks instead of hanging out with us. <laughs> All right, you ready to talk 40K? I am super ready to talk 40K. Kyle isn't here. We're off the leash and we're talking 40K. As everyone knows from our previous episodes, I'm super stoked. 10th edition is out. It's live. We're getting index releases left and right this week. Points come out tomorrow and everything's going to be off the hook. Like always, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do. And that's just to talk about our social medias. We're basically everywhere that you can imagine at Casual Tutors. Most importantly, that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even more important than social medias, and I don't consider Discord social media, but our Discord group where we're active. We talk mainly about Magic the Gathering, but I would love to increase that to just board games, 40K, whatever you guys have interest in in the nerdy realm I'm interested in. Miniature Civil War reenactment. Whatever you got. Yeah. We could talk about, you know, painting those little brass buttons on your tiny little union men while those Confederate sons of bitches stare at you from the trenches across the way. Whatever you want. Way to, way to play it safe and pick the right right side of history there. It it, it was a pretty easy bet. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. That's fair. Anyways, get in our discords. If you're not there already, you're a loser and get to it. I'm just kidding. I love you. You're not a loser. But seriously, get in our discord. That's where we want to interact with you. We don't care about any other social media, really. For the episode this was surprisingly actually my idea uh, yeah. to talk about 40k <laughs> i was I think thrilled I surprised matt more than anyone uh i have and have had for forever a it used to be like five thousand plus points of tyranids uh just sitting in my closet they've been there for literally a decade for three houses and i i don't even remember the last time i looked at them i vaguely remember what color they're painted but, you know, it was one of those things where the rule book changed on me and I kind of moved away from my original 40K play group. And I was like, well, I, don't, I'm, I mean, I guess I'm just going to kind of let this sit and not play with it. But the new 10th edition rules and the fact that if the rule book rotates now, I'm not going to have to buy a new one is what it sounds like, at least. Got me interested again and I, I figured I'd try and pick it up. I invited a friend over next week and we're going to see if we can't figure it out. Matt, help me figure it out. Yeah, so you hit the nail right on the head there. Biggest thing about 10th edition and that is that rules are free. Core rules, the indexes that they released for every army in the game is free up front as PDFs ready to go on the Warhammer community website, which is amazing. 10th edition is also big for Tyranids, like coincidentally, good timing, Doug, that nice. the, the Leviathan box set is the launch box set for the edition. And as always, it's Space Marines, but this time it's versus the Tyranid Menace as they approach the Imperium from the blind spot as everyone's focusing on Imperium Nihilus. And that is the one thing I like about Space Marines is that they're crunchier than the other armies. Yeah, they got that, the that <laughs> they got that nice hard candy shell. That's right. But it's big. Leviathan is a huge box. It's 72 minis, and it's mostly Tyranids with, like, I think 28 Space Marines, which adds up in, I don't know, some kind of math. But it comes with the core rule book if you want a fancy book. It comes with cards for the missions, all that stuff. But, you know, kind of like I let in, all this is going to be free. And I've already jumped in. I'm not buying Leviathan. I do have Space Marines, but I'm not interested in the new models in the box so it's not worth the 250 bucks to get space marines that i'm not going to use in a bunch of tyranids that i'm going to have to try to sell right but i did hear you say that the the points for how much the actual units how much you have to spend on them man i, w I don't remember any of the terminology for any of this but the, the the point totals for each unit and that kind of thing that comes out tomorrow so we don't actually know that yet Right, because they've been slow rolling the release. Uh, it started with the Space Marines and Tyranids that are in the Leviathan box set exclusively because, you know, that's the big hype. They're trying to sell boxes. Here's the rules for the new units, that kind of thing. And Absolutely. then over the past week, they've released the rules for every other army and the rest of the Space Marines and the rest of the Tyranids. So everyone has their rules now, and there's definitely some winners and losers. There's a lot of hurt feelings floating around in the universe right now. Um, that we'll definitely touch on, but I, I was, I was surprised to find that this was pretty easy to find. Like I, I literally just Googled like new 40 K rules and it came up first thing on the Google search and it was two clicks from there to basically have 
the core rule book, the quick start guide, and then I had to scroll down quite a bit to find the Tiered Index question mark. But uh, there was no credit card for any of it, so that's uh, again, I'm I'm on board with that for sure. Yeah, the Warhammer community team is definitely probably the team within Games Workshop that is on their game the most. Sometimes they even release stuff early by accident, like oopsies. But when it comes to finding what you want, they have a, a relatively user-friendly website. Uh, it might take some scrolling, like Doug said, to get to some of their earlier releases, but they are there. They don't go anywhere. And hopefully they all get moved into their convenient download section, so they're all in one place. But, you know, everything is there, kind of like we mentioned. I... Well, like I said, I'm not buying the Leviathan box set, so I'm not going to have a rule book right off the bat. So instead, I downloaded all these PDFs. I downloaded, I have six armies, so it's a lot of shit. I downloaded wow. the in, the indexes for each of my armies, and I cut off all of the data cards, and I just included the army and detachment rules and bound them all into one PDF, and I hit Office Max as we were running errands today, and they're, as we speak, printing me the core rules, the quick start rules, uh, awesome keyword cheat sheet that someone on reddit was awesome enough to put together and all the index rules for my armies and they're going to spiral bound it for me so i'm getting my own book for 30 bucks rather than 250 with the box so you you still like the paper then you're not out there with a tablet or anything like that so i'm hybrid i definitely like having like the bigger section of rules and the core rules there to be physically referenced. Cause you'll find some yeah. people don't trust the internet, even though it's in black and white right in front of you. But when it comes to armies themselves, and this might change because now they're moving away from having like full pages of paper to describe your unit to having, you know, slightly bigger than index card size unit sheets to describe your units. So maybe I'll mm -hmm. stick to all paper, but I usually use an app to make my army and show me the characteristics of my units. Okay. And that's Battlescribe. And there's other bad news on that front is that the creator of Battlescribe itself, it isn't just meant for 40K. It supports a ton of different, you know, games in the world, like board games, everything you could ever imagine. But that creator no longer supports it. He's just collecting a paycheck from people paying for the paid version of Battlescribe at this point and not updating it. So wow. there's a lot of tools on the back end that are broken fundamentally with um, Battlescribe that are not going to let the awesome community team update it to 10th edition. Or it's going to be a significant amount of work to get it to 10th edition. I mean, that so, sounds like it's an opportunity for Games Workshop to come out with their own app. And that's the, the nice part, is that they do have their app, and supposedly for 10th edition, they scrapped it because it was total shit and started from the ground up with a new developer. And it's supposed to be awesome from what the couple uh, beta testers that I've heard speak up on Reddit have talked about. Cool. Is it also supposed to be free, or...? I don't know if they're planning on making I, it free. I mean, I'd imagine that's probably where they're going to get you is, you know, like a $5 a month subscription fee or something like that. But yeah. If it does stay up to date, that kind of seems worth it to me, especially if you're a big player. So, if not, then, I mean, PDF and, uh, and you know, bound <laughs> Xerox yeah. notebook. There, there, there are free alternatives if it's not yeah, free. In sure. ninth edition, it wasn't. It was bound into the Warhammer TV bundle. So you got, you know, the Warhammer TV stuff. You got access to the app and you got, what, what's the other bonus of this? Like, I guess like the archival of like all these old white dwarfs and magazines and stuff like that, that are they're uh, uploading over a course of time. And it's not too bad. I think it was like $50 a, a year or something like that. And you got a mini, like a unique yeah. Warhammer TV exclusive mini. Hmm. So basically you bought a mini and you got a Warhammer plus subscription. Yeah. You got your own custom custom mini it's different than everybody else's it's special it's sparkly yeah it, it's just you know totally unique except for every other one for every other person that subscribed <laughs> to warhammer tv and resellers. Right, well, here was here was my idea for this and i don't know if this is going to work or not but like i said i've got my two huge boxes of for my tyranid army that i haven't opened in a decade over here and i just wanted to open them up and say like hey is this still a thing can i play with these is there special games i can do with these yes or no all that kind of thing. Do you think that's going to work or? Um, I, I probably could just answer that in one summary answer, actually, without having to go into a per unit basis. Okay. And in general, yes, you're going to be able to play with every unit that you have from the decade ago collection that you have piled up in your closet. 
The exception to that, and it's not really an exception because technically you could still play with this, but anything that's a Forge World model, so you bought it specifically from Forge World, it's made out of resin, it's probably ugly and a piece of crap because it's Forge World resin, is now considered Legends, which means they're no longer updating rules for it. And it's not illegal in competitive play. I mean, I'm opening this right now, and I've got a... Oh, I forget what this guy's guy's called. He, he's the, like, burrowing, tunneling Tyranid that makes a tunnel for the rest of your troops to come through. And uh, I wouldn't say... I don't know if it's made of good plastic or bad plastic, but it is definitely in pieces uh, as I'm sitting here. <laughs> so not a good start. Yeah, I, I'm not too familiar with Tyranids in general. Um, just the ones that I've killed, because uh, the only good Tyranid is a dead Tyranid. But... I would say, unless you're going to a Warhammer tournament, like a big yeah. LVO type tournament, you're going to be able to play with it. There's going to be rules. They just, if it is one of these Forge World models, it won't be an updated rule. It'll be playing with whatever the latest version was, whether yeah, that came I'm out last year. I'm not worried about like anything that official. I'm just like, hey, I'm going to see if I can play with this kind of thing. Yep. Then I, you will, 100% of your units, you will be able to play with. No problem. Um, and that's kind of the, the great thing about casual 40K is that nothing ever goes bad. They, they move stuff into Legends, like old models that they just either aren't popular, so they're phasing out to bring in new stuff or whatever. But, you know, you just reference those rules for when they were current, and that's legal, even if they're ridiculously broken or ridiculously bad. Nice. Yeah, so it's pretty awesome. Well, the other things I'm seeing in this big box I've got here is my Winged Hive Tyrant, who's Wings are no longer attached, of course. Um, <laughs> like four Carnifexes, another one of the burrowing guys with a different mouth, a Swarm Lord, another Swarm Lord, I think. No, that's that's my High Tyrant. Never mind. And then a Turvagon that makes the Termagons, because I I definitely have a full briefcase that's basically just Gaunts and nothing else. Yeah, Gaunts so. are the backbone of your army. <laughs> yeah, all that sounds. Current playable still stuff that everyone touches. Carnifex has got a big glow up. They now can run in squads of I think up to three, and they get bonuses to their movement if they get attacked or a member of their squad gets attacked. So they get like extra fast across the board as your opponent tries to kill them. Stuff like that. Um, Old One Eye is a character Carnifex that can be inserted into the squad. So that's another yeah, I cool don't thing. Have a model of it, but I've, I've played. I've kind of like you know said said designated one with a top hat before and been like this is old one eye yeah and i don't think the model for old one eye is particularly unique for carnifexes either so that's right. just kind of how it works anyways maybe like if you got to painting it they just paint it slightly different if you want it to be a permanent old one eye or whatever so i'm, I'm looking through the tyranid uh index here and it looks like there is now a named winged hive tyrant as well the parasite of mortrex so that's interesting yeah, and it's not named. Uh, named in 40K refers to, like, uh, now they all have the keyword epic hero in the bottom of the of the card. Okay. The Parasite is something that they brought last year as, like, a, a late ninth edition release for Tyranids. And it references um, a Tyranid from lore that never really existed in the game. And in ninth edition, it still kind of works that way because I think it makes Ripper Swarms when it gets successful attacks against an opponent or something like that. But in lore, basically, it's like a giant uh, tarantula wasp that goes around the battlefield impregnating its enemies with, you know, its young that eat it from the inside out. Yeah, the two on the card here that I'm looking at, it has two abilities. One is called Parasitic Infection, which seems fairly self-explanatory. And the other one is called It Itches! Exclamation point. Yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really great. And like, it, it's particularly funny when you talk about xeno races because everything on a data card and everything in the lore of 40k comes from the perspective of the imperium so they some of them will have ridiculous names and abilities and stuff like that and there's there's a new uh unit in the by in the box called like van ryan's leapers or something like that like it's it's just it's fun to see all the different you know nomenclature that comes from the imperium to describe something alien yeah. Well, I did find out what my uh, what my two burrowing guys are called. They're called trigons. Um, yep. So I, I got I got I'm rocking two of those, and then I know in my other briefcase here, it's like all gaunts with some tyranid warriors, some uh, a, a couple ripper swarms, a couple raveners, and some gene stealers. Which when I originally started playing, gene stealers were completely useless. So I hope that's not the case anymore. Um, they have ups and downs. I think last edition they finished pretty high. 
Um, I haven't really looked at them this edition. I would imagine they've always been kind of the, the middling, like okay to take, but not like the most competitive thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and they're cool. The coolest thing about them is that you, if you have a Gene Stealer Colt army, you could play your Gene Stealers in that army too. But a whole, whole another discussion, a whole another army. Yeah. So everything I know about 40k lore is essentially from uh, the All Guardsmen Party fanfic. Um, and it goes pretty deep into that with Gene Stealers and a lot of other things. And then Magic did it a bit too with the uh, 40K set where they went really, really deep into the Gene Stealer lore of like, these are humans, but are they? Question mark. So there is some of that. Yeah, they're, they're just worshipping the hive mind, but they don't actually know what they're worshipping. is this all-devouring alien species that cares nothing for them. is just using them as a beacon to pull themselves through the galaxy on. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, I've only ever really read Gene Stealer cult lore from the perspective of Space Marines, so it's always just about finding the infection and killing them. <laughs> you know, super super Marine basic bitch shit. Yeah. Um, just, just eradicate the infection, come on. Yeah, find the head, cut it off. Nothing, nothing more complicated than that. But yeah, it sounds like everything you got is going to be good to go, and you, it sounds like you got a bunch of the big models, like the, the big Tyranid bug creatures, so, you know. Well, and that's that's a that was always kind of the big thing is is uh i we'd play and my original play group that i had i we had a guy that was gray knights and and then everybody else was kind of space marines and then we had one tau player and one orcs player and we started i think this like i said it was a decade ago so it, it's all very loose in my head but they, that's it feels like that's kind of when they started with some of these alternate game formats that were smaller and I just remember them being super disappointing because I could never get points enough for any of the big monsters like not even a it would be like everyone else had a squad of space Marines that had great saves and everything. And I'd be sitting there with like, I could bring in Gaunts, but they wouldn't be able to even scratch the space Marines. Or I could bring like one Carnifex to a squad thing. And that's just not going to work out. Yeah. So I don't, has that changed at all? Like, is it, it, it definitely has team or the boarding one you're talking about? Any of that kind of stuff? Is that, have they made it so you can use some of the bigger models and not have that be your entire army or no? Yeah. So, and, and just if you want to just play Warhammer 40k, there's really and they start a combat patrol incursion, and there's one that's 3,000 points, and I can't quite remember the name of them off the top of my head. But that they break up the games into three categories. So combat patrols are 500 points, uh, up to a thousand, I want to say. Okay. Incursions are a thousand to two thousand, and then that third one is two thousand to three thousand. So if you want to have we don't know the point totals of the armies at this point, but I mean, like a thousand points, what is that going to get you for the average army? Um, you would probably be able to run like your swarm Lord, a couple Karn effects definitely a shit ton of Tormagons, uh, you know, maybe a couple Tyranid warriors, like a squad wow. of Tyranid warriors. So like a thousand points is Dude, I, I like kind of a sweet spot. Lord and because as I recall, swarm Lord was like almost a thousand points by itself back in the day. Oh, definitely won't be. It'll be up there. It'll probably be one of the most expensive units in your army just because sure. of like all the abilities they have stapled onto it. So yeah. like you might have to go down to a hive tyrant or something like that. Cause the swarm Lord is just the big boy hive tyrant, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's the, you know, the Tau has space Pope. I, I have uh, a dude with four swords that insta kill. So, yeah. So he's probably going to be, you know, a couple hundred points. Okay. So that seems fairly reasonable. Yeah. And you know, there's that trade-off and they talk about this in star wars legion not to like delve into another miniature game but over there the number of activations you have in your in your army is real big so by bringing something like the swarm lord in 40k you're essentially having less activation less units to utilize during your turn right but it's a trade-off i mean you could bring a swarm lord and like the only requirements now for army building is that you have to bring one character and then you could bring up to three of the same type of unit in any other category, except for battle line, you could bring up to six units of the same type. So what, what is battle line? So battle lines, like your basic bitch, Tormagant, Tormagant, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, just the, the, the fodder, the everyday, like the plain Jane space Marine, that kind of thing. Those are battle line units. So okay. you could like bring your swarm lord and then bring six squads of twenty tormagons and then you know that adds up to a thousand points. So that could be your army if that's all you it, want. And I, I totally forgot I'm 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 in my briefcase now and I totally <laughs> forgotten this, but I have like a couple dozen gargoyles that look pretty as all get out with this orange wing uh, that my brother put on there for me when I, when I was preparing this army. Yeah. Together. 
and I'm excited about that. That's going to be sweet. So. Yeah, gargoyles have always been sweet. Give that nice flying. And I'm trying to look for them right now and see if their battle line, uh, gargoyles, are battle line. So yeah, I would imagine they. I mean, they were basically the same point. They were like five points more than Gaunts and and did like the same damage and everything. But they were jump jump units back in the day. Yeah. So now they just they have fly. Have yeah. Well, good. I'm glad they have fly now because it was kind of ridiculous that they didn't to begin. With. Yeah, and they have deep strike, which means that you can keep them in a. It's like a special reserve. That they don't start on the battlefield, and then you could bring them on anywhere on the battlefield as long as they're more than nine inches away from an enemy. So, nice. yeah, it, it, it's a pretty cool unit. And you can bring 10 to 20 of them in a unit. So, like, pretty awesome. Yeah, and I mean, I, nine inches, that's nothing when, when they're flying, I would imagine. <laughs> no, they move 12 by themselves. Yeah. The, the yeah. big thing about nine is that it's above average for a charge roll. So if you bring okay. them in deep strike, you already count as having moved for the turn, but you could still charge. But uh, a nine inch charge is, you know, statistically more difficult to do, okay. um, but not impossible. But yeah, Pyramids, uh, as far as I know, they're set up to be in a great spot. They got like a ton of new units because they got a bunch at the end of ninth. And then they just got a bunch of new units in 10th on the release. And they're all super cool. The thing to remember with every army that has an index now in 10th edition is that there will be codexes coming out to really give them their true flavor and, you know, make them more unique. Because right now, they're like the most basic faction of that army. Yeah, so the index that I'm seeing here, it looks like what you said earlier was just cards for each unit, essentially. And that's kind of what it looks like. Is It's a... Uh, a summary of just like the bare bones. Hey, this is what this thing does. It doesn't have the point total on it or any of that kind of thing, but yeah, uh, I imagine that's what you'll get in the codex. And then this is just like, Hey, this is what this thing does at a glance, which is pretty nice. I, I don't think I had that back in the day. I was constantly flipping back and forth through the codex. So Yeah. The cards will constantly be a thing. And I imagine after they release the points, they'll update the cards that have the point value on the card also. Because that, that's a pretty normal, because like essentially the cards now, they look exactly like data sheets did in ninth edition codexes. They're just half the size. They just shrunk it all down. Um, they got rid of a bunch of white blank space. But I think what you're looking at is the data cards specifically for the Leviathan box set. There's actually another post that has all the rules for Tyranids in general. And it includes their army rules and their detachment rules, which is what kind of gives them a little bit of extra oomph besides just what the units do individually. Yeah, so what I did is I looked up uh, the Warhammer on the Warhammer community page. Uh, it had the quick start guide and the core rules. And then it said indexes, FAQs, and errata. And the only two in there that are Tyranids is the Tyranids data sheets. And then Leviathan colon Tyranids, essentially. I just dropped so, the link for you. Oh. And he might already be there. Tyranids. Yeah. This looks like no, this yeah, this is the same document. Yeah. Okay. So this yeah. Is the same thing. So the first like five pages are like your army and your detachment rules, your right. stratagems that are army unique. Cause there's, there's stratagems that every army has available that are in the core rules. And then there's army specific ones. And then enhancements, which is the new term for warlord trait. Okay. And warlord enhancements no longer cost CP to put on your characters, but they're gated at the level or the number of point battle you're playing. So if you're doing a 500 point army, you're only able to put one enhancement on. If you're doing a 2000 point army, you could put two. If you're doing a 3000, you do three, something like that. I have to look at the core rules again. All right, so but we've gotten way, way too into the nitty gritty here, and and yeah. I, I'm I'm making this all about Tyranids, and that was not my intent. You know, I'm just I'm just sitting here with a box of stuff like, what is this? You know, sure. that kind of thing. But so I, I guess let's 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 zoom back out because I'm gonna I don't have an established play group here. Actually, the LGS in my hometown apparently has some kind of ethical grounds uh, where they don't actually support 40k. So you have to go to a different store if you want to play it. It's like okay. That's a that's a choice. That's a but, weird line to draw. Yeah, <laughs> I you know I, I I uh what can I say, man? I live in Utah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Anyway, um, there is another place to play in town, and that but what I'm actually planning on doing is I you know I just had a buddy that had casual interest in this, and I guess what I'm gonna have to try and do is sell people on this a lot. So if you could sell people on 40k as you see it with 10th edition so far, what how would you sell it to people? So 
GW tried selling it to people as highly simplified, ready to go, easy to play. Um, and I will say it is simplified from the 40k that most people think about when you tell them Warhammer 40k. I'm looking at the core rule book right now here, and literally it's like page one says core rules. Page two has uh, a picture of the emperor sitting on his throne with just all sorts of cables, machinery going towards him and skulls underneath it and all that kind of thing. And then page three is this ridiculous stock photo of this guy and girl smiling while she extends out a uh, a ruler. And it just it just screams like, it's friendly, we swear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like a, a bell, bad LDS recruitment poster or something. Yeah, like, sign up for is. Scientology here. Um <laughs> It is it is intimidating. I don't think they do the greatest job. Like having you know the first like real life picture in your core rule book be about someone measuring, I don't think is the best approach to advertising your game. Um I actually like that. Um if there's one thing I did take from 40k that I applied to like a lot of tabletop RPG stuff, it was that it can be as simple as like how far does something move? Well, you don't need a grid, you don't need the hexes from Heroescape. You can just pull out a ruler and be like, it moves a foot. Yeah. Go, you know, and I, I think I actually like that a lot from 40 K. That, that definitely is one of its strengths. Like for established players, I just think it's someone looking from the outside and they're like, really, you're getting out a tape ruler and you're like extending it across the table for this to see your little I, I mean, mini could shoot I, me. But I guess I'm coming from a different spot because that, that's, yeah. I know because I've been around in nerd culture for a long time that 40 K came from Literally, I, I said it joking early at the beginning of the episode, the like Civil War reenactment miniatures. Yep. People used to do that where they would they would literally make miniatures of Union versus Confederate soldiers and cannons and all that stuff. And then make this intricate terrain of a specific battle from the Civil War and then try and basically have both sides reenact that battle with the same thing that it was, it was a lot like access and allies is where it tries to reenact uh, world war two as a whole. Yep. So that's kind of where it came from. And the easiest way to do that, cause you didn't have a grid system or anything like that was with a ruler with a tape measure. So yeah. And I think that's definitely where 40 K started. I think the the actual measuring with units of the tape measures is what gives 40 K the advantage in the competitive realm too. Cause when you come down to it and you're playing for prizes and stuff like that on the end, like it's a little, there's less wiggle room when you can say, okay, my guy can move nine inches, no more than that. And you measure, it has to be exactly nine. Your opponent has to see it. Whereas like Legion and a bunch of other miniature games, they have, you know, measurement sticks, which are a little more subjective. You know what I mean? Like they're not, you don't know exactly how long, well, I mean, I guess you can measure your, your movement stick sure. and see how long it is but the rules don't allow for that you know what i mean that almost seems like calling your audience stupid like you can't understand a ruler here's a stick yeah it's very simplified I don't like that at all. <laughs> it's very simplified and it does work very well it's just it's i don't think it's tuned to be the competitive environment that 40k has fell into and that's nothing really speaking for 40k rules because games workshop is not a rules writing game development company they're a miniature company that makes a game yeah so absolutely. it definitely has its ups and downs and we'll talk about that kind of with these indexes that came out but if i had to sell a new person on it it's just you know it's not a fast game you have if you have an hour and a half two hours to kill and you know you like the way these miniatures look you, you get into the lore you find out a lot like every army is incredibly unique it, it, there's an army out there for literally every personality type is and you know without doubt and you know you can make this an extension of yourself and then kill stuff by rolling dice like i don't know really anybody that doesn't love rolling dice that's like the biggest in for me <laughs> like my one of my knights they have a gatling gun and in the new rules the gatling gun shoots 18 times so you're holding two fistful size you know cupping your hands full of dice to roll at the same time and it's just great you don't care what they do you're just that, i'm just rolling is, 18 dice at one time that is one thing that i did like from back in the day when i was playing a little bit of 40k was was just kind of the fistfuls of dice thing it reminded me a lot i way way back in the day i played the d6 version of star wars and when you got to high levels in that game, instead of it just being like you got more pluses and minuses on something, it would just be like, no, 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 you're a Jedi. You swing with your lightsaber and you roll 13 dice. Now add it all up. And the thing I liked about it is that got a little tedious as you got further up. It was like, no, no, add 13 D6s, go. 
Whereas 40K doesn't make you do that. It's just like, okay, you have to hit this number. So immediately when you roll is anything that's like a two or below, just throw that away. You know it's a miss. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It is super easy to understand. Like the system is well established and it's really quick to pick up. Even when they start talking about D3s where you're like taking half of the dies result and rounding up or whatever, it's still super intuitive once you get going. You're like, oh, I'm just looking for four. So everything that's not a four or above, it goes bye-bye. And, you know, so that's definitely a big plus that the game really is simple once you get past the initial, you know, stereotyping hill that 40k has just from its 40 40 years of game history so if i'm going to start from from the basis here because I, like i said i have the core look pulled up in front of me i'm seeing the five phases of a turn i i have some loose knowledge from from back in the day that kind of thing but i think the thing that gets intimidating for a lot of people when setting up is is building the army to start with so mm-hmm. if i'm trying to get a new person in how would you suggest i do that where they're not having to look through a rule book for two hours to figure out like, okay, this is my point loadout. Cause a lot of people like that. I, I remember I liked it quite a bit. It's a lot of the strategy to start with, but if we just want to start playing, what do you think is the best way to do that? What game type and, and kind of how would you put the army together really quickly? So the most important thing is that the army selection, don't go for meta armies. Don't get on YouTube and try a, don't type in most powerful 40k army because it's going to change in two months, like every two sure. months. But and I've never liked that anyway. Like that's yeah. I, I played you know Warcraft back in the day uh, at the at the very very basis of like the start of the internet, where it was just like all of a sudden you you you've been playing these games and even though you were online, nobody was like meta hunting and all that kind of thing. And then it just it just shifted. I think I want to say Starcraft is really when it happened. It went from like this fun thing where you figured out the game to just like no, you go look it up online now. And now it's just about how fast you can click. Yeah. Yeah. So finding the army that speaks to you and like doing a little bit of background on the lore and stuff will help with that. And like, look at the aesthetics, find the ones that aesthetically please you and then see if their lore is cool and you like the lore and then jump into that. And I would say after that, the other important thing is to consider, you know, the amount of money you have, because not all armies are equal in the number of units you have to have. Like, we kind of touched on it on points, but there's armies out there like Imperial Knights and, you know, Adeptus Custodes that are, they're both Imperial factions, coincidentally, but obviously a knight, like a single large big ass knight is going to be super expensive points wise. It's going to be, you know, 450 points, let's just say. So if you're playing a thousand point game, you only have two knights and, you know, up front, I think a knight runs $160 to buy the kit. But if you're only buying two of them, your entire army is only 320 bucks. But let's say you go into something like orcs where they have a ton of boys and just all these little individual infantry units. Boys come in boxes of 10, I think, and they run in squads of 10 or 20, and you're going to want, you know, six squads, and each box is 60 bucks. You know, there's 360 bucks, and all you have are baseline infantry. You haven't touched any of the vehicles, the characters, stuff like that. So that's an important consideration. You just just unsold me from this game. Well, I've got two boxes of stuff over here, but $360 for a starter army? Are you kidding me? That's like the two extremes. Sure. Like that, I mean, that isn't even an orc starting or me. I'm not. I'm not trying to sell people on orcs. <laughs> but you know, there. That is, if you want to do like a thousand. Like I said, I was using a thousand points as an example. I would recommend, and Games Workshop set this up perfectly during Ninth Edition. They have these boxes called combat patrols, and each army has a combat patrol. And right out of the box, it's roughly 500 points. Okay. Some of them and are more. Some of them are less. And- and it will be exactly the points that you want, essentially, and just get straight into Combat Patrol, which is, I'm guessing, a sub-game. It's just the 500-point the level of normal 40k. Okay. So you play on a slightly smaller battlefield. You can have, like, less enhancements. You start with less CP, but the game otherwise works exactly the same. Okay, so is that, like, the new Kill Team, or...? No. Kill Team still exists. Kill Team is, like, a whole separate game. Um, I don't know a lot about Kill Team, but like it uses, you know, a movement ruler instead of inches and stuff like that. It's like the so simplified, it's a completely separate thing that's going to use a completely separate rulebook. Is that going to be part of the 10th edition update or no? no Kill okay, Team so it's, it's is really, really entirely separate. separate. Yep, and they they okay. just had Kill Team like 2.5 or something released last year. That's a whole other realm, and that's where you know I was talking about. You have to buy like six boxes of boys if you want to have troops for an orc army. You buy one box of boys, and you have your kill team. Okay. And the same, sense. you're you're. I just I, I'd heard that that terminology just described as a cheaper way 
and a simpler way to play 40k. Uh, simpler, not necessarily in rules, but in and just like it doesn't take as long. Generally, yeah. it's got a lot of things figured out for you, that kind of thing. The games are faster, but I think where they've started taking Kill Team, it's it's 100% a different game. Like, you okay. can use the same units back and forth. Like, you could take your squad of 10 orcs and use it as a Kill Team and vice versa. But the, the way they interact in Kill Team is different. Like, the way they take wounds and die, they get, you know, fatigued and stuff like that in, in Kill Team that doesn't happen in 40k. It's much more mi- microtransaction-y. In game, not that you're paying more, but like in game currency, I guess, essentially. But so, really, like the, the, I guess, so if you want to just do pure 40k, find your army, buy one of those combat patrol boxes, and then find someone like Doug that you know can flex his army because, like I said, they're not going to be exactly 500 points, but you know, say they're like 420 points, find someone else that has enough troops where they can field 420 points, and boom, you have a game. And I think those boxes run from $120 to $150. So they're a much better value than buying units individually. So now we're talking about game types that are different. And my favorite one, and this just came out at the end of ninth edition, is called Boarding Actions. And I've talked about this a little bit in our previous episodes. But you mentioned this at least, and it did kind of pique my interest. Yeah, essentially what it is is you are part of a boarding action. And in, in ninth edition, it was you're boarding these space hulks that are that have been set adrift in space by the powers of chaos. And there's a you're whole salvaging. you're like investigating, kind of. Yeah. Sure. Some some like if you're ad mech, you're probably salvaging because that's what you do. You dig up loose tech garbage. But it's still 500 points. So it's that combat patrol size, but the rules are different in like your, so instead of having like an open terrain where you have like mountains and and big buildings, your terrain is narrow hallways. Like you're inside of a ship and it changes. There's different rules for line of sight and cover. And it just, it plays similar because you're using the same rules as 40 K unlike kill team, but with the slight tweaks to cover and line of sight and the there's no stratagems in it so you can't strat there's no rerolls stuff like that and you're you're talking about you're talking about line of sight what was the other one you said it changed cover okay so as i recall both of those from my time playing 40k back in the day line of sight was just line of sight literally you would get down behind the unit and look in a straight line at what you were trying to shoot and if you could see it you could see it yeah if you couldn't then you couldn't yeah. So uh, and then cover was if you could see part of it, then it changed the roles somewhat and made it harder because you were pet behind partial cover, essentially. Yeah. So in 40k, it, it, as additions evolved, the definition of what line of sight is in 40k was you know modified by certain rules for terrain and stuff like that. But in 10th edition and mostly in 9th edition, they're back to just true line of sight. If you see the model, you can shoot the model, and vice versa. We still get to do that awkward thing where you kind of try and get behind a two inch, uh, a two inch tall unit with your eyeball and, and look where it's looking, which is awesome. Yeah, but and so like how did how did they change that in boarding action? So in, in well in, in regular forty k, it doesn't yeah. matter if like say I have a unit of orc boys behind another unit of orc boys, and on the other side is you know a bunch of space marines that you can shoot through your own unit. You can shoot through your own unit in okay. boarding actions. You cannot. Okay. So your own units will break line of sight for units that are behind them, and vice versa. The unit in the back can't be shot by enemies on the other side. And then cover changes, and it's basically if any part of your model can't be seen by the enemy, you have cover. And what that means, it generally, like different units have special rules to modify this, but cover just means you get to add one to your saving throw. In saving throw. You know, it, you probably are aware, Doug, but saving throw is basically your enemy shoots at you. They roll to hit. If they hit you, they roll to wound. If they wound you, you have to make a saving throw. And on your data sheet, it tells you what your save is. The most common one is like a four up. So you have a 50% chance of saving that. If you're in cover, you get plus one to that. So any rolls of three or greater, you have saved. So okay. slightly different than normal 40K. In normal 40k, it depends on what kind of terrain you're hiding behind, whether you get cover or not. And I haven't looked at the core rules too hard about cover because it has changed slightly for 10th edition. But in general, you're basing your cover on if you're in within a certain piece of terrain. 
obviously in boarding actions, you're inside a spaceship, quote unquote. So you're always in terrain. So they just do it based on if any part of your model can't be seen, which makes sense. Like if you're hiding behind a corner and your arm is sticking out, you know, they have less of a chance of shooting your arm than they would if your entire body was sticking out. Yeah. And good news, I, I just checked in the core rulebook. Uh, it does let you control F things. So. Yes. Yeah, it is that's a full-fledged be, that's PDF. Huge when I try playing this all by myself next week without any hint of what I'm doing. So Yeah, but that's boarding actions in a nutshell. It is very fun. It is much faster than even a regular combat patrol size 40K game. And, you know, without stratagems and stuff like that, it, it's just pure outmaneuvering your opponent to accomplish whatever the mission is for that boarding action. And they all will have unique ones. Um, For someone in my position then where I'm just trying to get back into it and and introduce somebody else to the game at the same time. And we're obviously going to be looking at a rule book for a significant amount of stuff as we figure out just, Hey, what we're doing to start with, would you suggest starting with normal 40 K or with boarding action? I would just say or with something else. Normal 40 K at that 500 point ish level. And, you know, just, don't even worry about how big your battlefield is. Like, just play on your table and then use random things from your house as terrain and just yeah, make it. I've definitely it... done that. I've, I've, I've built terrain out of Legos. I've used frying pans and all that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. Like, when we play at XP, we'll use salt shakers and, you know, paper towel dispensers when we don't have enough terrain and stuff like that. Absolutely. But yeah, just set that up. Don't necessarily worry about any particular rules about the terrain. Just make it so that they block line of sight and then focus on, you know, learning what your units do, rolling dice, you know, figuring out what's a hit, what's a miss, what wounds, what saves, that kind of thing. Just the fundamentals. Gotcha. Um, and that really, that's the probably what the majority of people that play 40K do. They don't really worry about what the mission is. They just set up models and kill each other, Yeah, which is I, very fun. Yeah, I, I definitely done some of that. We, we have done, in the past, I have done stuff where you've had like a mission objective to get to as well. They gave you some kind of bonus in game or just said, hey, if you help, if you hold this for a turn, you win. Yeah, play King of the Hill, things. something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That all sounds, I mean, it sounds simple enough, uh, streamlined as it is. So yeah. I'll be looking forward to the point drop tomorrow and figuring out kind of would, how we're going to do this. I would also look on Reddit and try to find, I'll, I'll see if I could find it because I probably have it saved and I'll drop it in our chat, in our Warhammer 40K Discord group. And it has a list of all the keywords. Because if you notice, if you look at some of your data sheets, the weapons yeah. will have keywords after them, like extra attacks or twin link or blast, stuff right. like that. So I'll, I'll drop a sheet that explains what all those are. Because they are in the core rules, but they're not all together. They're kind of, some of them are scattered. So just having one piece of paper that has them all is super handy. So it's so a cheat sheet. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I guess I, I just want to talk about one big change that involves missions in 10th edition. And then I want to, you know, kind of have a moment of silence for a couple factions that got wrecked oh. in the indexes. And then a couple. <laughs> the points aren't I, even out yet. Are you sure they got wrecked? Yes. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> and, and then a couple that I'm super excited for. So starting with the probably what I think is really the biggest change of 10th edition is how missions work so 10th edition releases with one mission in it and with that mission it's it's the basic you know control one control three control two control three objectives and one of them is in your deployment zone three of them are in no man's land and the ones in your enemies deployment zone and you score Kind of King of the Hill, kind of like the old uh, Battlefront 2 thing where you just have command posts and you got to get more command posts than the other team. Exactly. So you get primary points every beginning of your command phase based on if you controlled one, two, or three. And it's five points for every one you control, up to 15. But where it's cool, so in ninth edition and pretty much every edition before that for a while, you picked your secondary objectives out of a book. And you got to go, yeah, I'm taking this one, I'm taking, you know, secure sites, and I'm taking, you know, Relentless Assault or something like that. And they had ones that were army specific. They even like for Space Marines, it got down to chapter specific secondary missions, which made it absurd. There was a ton of different secondaries people could be choosing from, which makes it hard because as an opponent, you want to like kind of have in mind what they're trying to do in your game so you could stop them from doing it. And if they're using some obscure mission that you, from a book for a specific Space Marine chapter, you have no idea what it does, it's going to be hard to stop. But that's gone in 10th edition. Now they're using 
something that existed in ninth as like a separate type of format called Tempest of War, where you essentially draw cards for your secondary at the beginning of each battle round or each turn. So you, you draw two out of this deck of cards, and those are your secondary emissions for that turn. And then at the end of the turn, if you complete those missions, you score secondary points. So it's much less, you know, I'm optimizing every part of my army, including what we're there to do. And much like we're on the battlefield, we're fighting our enemy, and this opportunity pops up and I get to run off and try to do this. So it's less that the point is to get the mission done and more like a fight where you can get extra points because you happen to achieve a mission on the way to destroying the other army correct yeah basically and like it allows your game to evolve and take different avenues and there's even a mechanism built into this where i think at the end of the third battle round you i i it's in the core rules i don't have it in front of me but essentially you you throw everything out the window and you have this new mission that is like off the cuff super hard to do but if you do it you get rewarded with a ton of points okay and it basically it's like an underdog opportunity yeah, changing it midstream, like, oh, crap, uh, let's go do this real fast, and now now this is, like, what matters. Yeah, or like, if you're winning already, you could probably just ignore it, and, you know. Yep. And even if you're so losing, you, you can ignore it. You don't have to do it, because right, they are very difficult. From the perspective, if you know you're losing, and you get that point opportunity, then it is something that can swing the game in your favor, as opposed to if you're winning, you can just be like, well, I'm just going to grind this dude to dust while he tries to do this tangent that uh, is just going to make it so he's not fighting me. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm never like I'm playing Imperial against Imperial Knights and they destroyed every anti-tank gun I have in my army. I have no chance of killing these big ass knights. I'm going right. to blow up the moon instead and the asteroids from the moon are going to crush the knights and I'm going to win basically that kind of that scale. Um, so it's super cool. I'm super excited. Tempest of War in ninth edition was super fun because like one, there's less prep ahead of the game. You're able to get into your games faster. And then two, like you're changing like, all of a sudden, like, oh shit, I have a better opportunity to score points over here. I'm going to go do that instead of, you know, do this. So super cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. So the moment of silence really is for the Harlequins. I've never heard of this army. So they're the evil space clowns. Space, I knew there was like sisters of battle. I I know nothing about space clowns. Yeah, so they're they're a, a faction of Drukari, I believe, which is like evil space elves. Oh, okay. Essentially, not, not the dragons from Game of Thrones. Not the dragons from Game of Thrones. No, got it. Got and it. the Harlequins are they worship a particular god, and they have the very like carnival esque theme going to them to put it in magic terms they're rakdos yes exactly they're they're rakdos and like their their battle line troop uh, troops are called troops like t-r-o-u-p-e-s like a circus troop they have death gestures all these kinds of things and like in ninth edition eighth edition they were super broken super good in 10th edition they have been absorbed by Drukari proper and no longer have army specific rules so they are now just a troop unfortunately yeah now Sad they're truth. they're an option for the jukari army to take that's yeah i could if you liked that aesthetic i could really see being depressed by that yeah so that sucks hopefully when codexes become a thing they get a codex again because they have had codexes in the past and yeah. we can celebrate getting stomped by evil space clowns again because they're always super good and then the other, you know, RIP, and this one I'm not so sad about because I do have this army and, you know, it, it's still a fun army, but it's going to be Death Guard. And they kind of, they took away, a, Death Guard have been known to be like the tanky, super resilient, slow moving Chaos Space Marine faction. Okay. They're, they're you know, the very Chaos Space Marines, but. Well, they're sure. blessed by Nurgle. Who's a chaos sure. god? Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, he's and, like the god of pestilence, essentially. Yeah. And that's what they do. They spread pestilence and they're these bloated, warped space marines. They have like extra mouths and tongues and tentacles and yeah, extra I'm sure smelly. When you kill them, they explode and make everyone sick. And Lots then, of them yeah. do. Yep. Yeah. So that was like the thing. And like how they express that in game is like they were minus one damage. So if you shot them with like a three damage gun, they only took two of it. And or they had like a, a five up feel no pain, which I'm, I'm fat and armored. Get over it. Yeah. Essentially, or like I'm already so rotted and diseased, like yeah. shooting me with a gun really does nothing. That kind of thing. So they took that away. They no longer are minus one damage. They're no longer have a feel no pain, except for like Mortarian, who is their Primarch. But 
they took that away. They're still incredibly slow moving. They made them even slower. Terminators only move four inches, which I think is the slowest moving infantry unit in the game. And that's crawling. That, but yeah, it really is. And then they they have a lot of like contradictory rules in there too. So their uh, plague marines, which is like their standard space marine version, just regular dude, gets yeah um, a bonus for staying on objectives. But then the Death Guard army rule is when Death Guard takes an army uh, an objective, it becomes diseased and it stays their objective until the enemy takes it, regardless if there's no members of your army standing on it. So you no longer have to stand on objectives to get to score points. But then again, okay. your main unit gets a bonus for standing on objectives. So I mean, but that might mean that you could like keep them longer as you retreated or something, couldn't couldn't it? It could. Yeah, but like sure. if it's a, if it's your backfield objective and your opponent's never going to get to it, like keeping a space marine unit there isn't advantageous because they're not going to be able to do as much. Gotcha. So you, instead of yeah charging and and having that bonus somewhere else, it's instead you hold that for just in case someone comes at you essentially, or because a tau has you pinned down. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't actually help you that much as far as winning. Yeah, and there's a couple other things like that. For me, mainly it's the flavor loss, like. They're no longer just a super tanky, durable army that moves slow. They're just a slow-moving army now. And they don't have, like, a ton of damage output. They never have. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's kind of meh. They're going to be probably a meh army for a while, but they will be balanced. Like like I said, wait two months, your army's going to be different. So I'm not too low on it. I still think, like, I'm going to just say, you know, fuck the bonus my Plague Marines get for standing on an objective. I'm going to do stupid shit, like shove 10 of them in a rhino and charge up the field. Which, if you don't know what a rhino is, it is not an animal. I'm not shoving a bunch of plague marines up a rhino's ass. As I recall, it is a, an armored personnel carrier. Yes. Or a tank, essentially. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, and like, those two armies have a lot of doom and gloom going on on the internet. And for all those people, you know, I'm saying, you know, I'm sorry. It does suck. It will get better. It always does. Death Guard has been up and down constantly. Harlequins, I don't know what to tell you. They've never not been an army since they became an army. So hopefully that gets fixed for you dudes. But yeah, that that's no, kind of the I mean, bottom two for I, me. I got to imagine making the whole thing new is 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 uh, screwing with a lot of stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if you know you end up with more armies that used to be armies that get dropped because I, I remember the reason I remembered Sisters of Battle was because forever they didn't have a codex uh, mm -hmm. back from when I played, and I know there was a whole bunch of other sub factions and that kind of thing that were that exact same way. So mm -hmm. I'm sure they'll get around to fleshing everything out eventually. We'll just kind of see what happens. But I, I'm excited to try this out. I, I mean, yeah. And speaking of starting from scratch and starting new, here is a word talking about how do you can start a podcast using the tools from Spotify. Anyways, it's end on a high note. Armies I'm super excited for. Tyranids, I think, are going to be in a great place. So, Doug, I know you're going to have a lot of fun with them. Um, yeah. Army I'm super excited for, and I've already talked about a couple times, are Imperial Knights. I do have a knight army. In Ninth edition, they had this codex that was good it wasn't great it wasn't bad it was like right at that 50 percent win mark which is what you want and it was like pure flavor and unfortunately kind of a consequence of that pure flavor was that some of their game rules were a little more complicated they had to keep track of chivalric points and at a certain point level they became honored and that would change x y and z and you get these extra benefits but if you lose points you lose you know you know a b and c on this side but keeping track of that was just something extra on the game that you're already trying to keep track of a bunch of different things but now in 10th edition you select your chivalric code at the beginning of the game same as you did in ninth but instead of getting chivalric points you just get it and you get a benefit so one of them is Layla the tyrants and this is probably the better of the two but it is reroll hit rolls of one and wound rolls of one all of your knights in your army and this is an addition where they said there's going to be minimal rerolls which was a lie they just gave an so entire said, army rerolls. You said hit hit rolls of one, wound rolls of one. What does that mean? So when you are attacking an enemy, you start out by making a hit roll. And yeah. usually it's based on your ballistic skill that's on your data card. And okay. usually they're like, you know, three up or something like that. So you roll your yeah, dice. Three or more. Yep. You roll your dice. You Normally you take out all everything that's a one or a two because three or more scores hits. But in right. this case... All your ones, you get to roll again and try to get threes. Oh, okay. Yep. And then you do that again for the wound roll. So That's ridiculous. Yep. You're you're picking up a lot of extra dice and getting a second chance, essentially. 
So that's yeah. army wide. If you choose that particular particular coach of Alric. And then for that one, your mission is to kill your enemy's warlord, which is something you're trying to do every game, anyways. And if you accomplish this mission, you become honored and you get three extra CP at the beginning of your next command phase. And that's CP to spend on stratagems, essentially. Okay. Which three, just out of nowhere for killing a warlord, is big. Like most of your, I think all of them for knights cost one CP. There might be one that costs two. But and you get CP every two a turn, essentially. One at the beginning of your turn and one at the beginning of your opponent's turn. So just to get three right on top of that, you're like stacked for the game. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Right. You can do pretty much whatever you want as far as stratagems are concerned. Yep. And then the second coach of Alaric that you could choose instead is plus one to your movement, advance, and charge rolls, which is okay. It's pretty cool. Like extra movement is always good. And yeah. then the mission for that is to control one or more objectives in your opponent's, in opponent's deployment zone. And then once again, if you accomplish that, you get the three CP and you become honored. So you're probably asking what honored means. Another army-wide rule is that knight Imperial Knights have a six-up feel no pain. Okay, so if they roll a six or more, they just get to ignore damage? <laughs> kind of. So this happens after the hit roll and save wound when you're like being the target of an attack. So say Doug's Tyranid you know, spat acid on my Imperial Knight and I saved one wound and I took two and they're three damage each. I will then roll six dice, essentially. And there's some nuance to this, but you roll six dice and then every six up or every six, you don't take that point of damage. Gotcha. So it reduces the amount of damage you're taking. Yeah, yeah. When you become honored, your Imperial Knights now have a fuel no pain of a five plus. So... Yeah. You get, you know, now you have a 33% chance of not taking that damage. Yeah, and, and Field No Pain was around when I was doing this. And, and I, again, a lot of my, my memory on this stuff is hazy. But the one thing I do remember is that Field No Pain feels so bad if it's not your army doing it. It's like, yeah, I finally got a hit on this dude. And then they're just like, yeah, no, nah, not, not really. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, I don't really care. Yeah, so that's good. And there's other stratagems and you know unit rules and stuff that care about you being honored but that's you know that's a, a knight specific episode that we're probably not going to do so other than <laughs> no. that you know knights are extremely good i think their guns got way better like their rapid fire battle cannon it is now d6 plus three number of shots and it is okay. rapid fire d6 plus three which means if it's within half range it is now two d6 plus six number of shots and it's like a strength 10 Two minus two AP, three damage gun. That sounds like a fistful of dice that just means that a lot of stuff dies. Yeah. Well, here's the ridiculous. So I said you have to be within half range to get that rapid fire bonus. Yeah. What's the range? The range on the gun is 72 inches. Oh, wow. So if anything within 36 inches of you is taking like a minimum of eight shots from this gun that is just going to wreck. within three feet. So any melee army is just going to lose half their stuff just trying to charge into you. Quite possibly, yeah. And um, so, and then like I already mentioned the Gatling cannon that has 18 shots base. So yeah. like night guns got very good. They got some huge bonuses. Like I'm not even going to touch on like the night Valiant and stuff like that because they're all super sweet. But another big change for knights is that they changed the towering keyword. So now towering just essentially means true line of sight. So basically in ninth edition, towering meant that they couldn't be hidden behind terrain because there was a rule for terrain called obscuring. If you're behind a piece of obscuring terrain, you couldn't be seen regardless of what line of sight said or something like that. Right. Now knights could still be seen behind the terrain, but now they can see everything on the other side of the terrain as well if they have line of sight. So there's really no hiding from knights anymore. You have to be much more careful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean not being able to hide is is bad. <laughs> yeah. So, very excited to play my knights and get them out. They it's probably my army that I'm closest to having fully painted to. So that, yeah, I, mean, that I, I you said you were going to list off a couple armies here and then you got you got totally lost in the Yeah, really deep in like, knights. Imperial knights, imperial knights. Super imperial excited. Knights. Yeah. We won't even mention the other army. I was going to say custodies cuz they're still kind of cool, but they yeah, whatever. It all sounds like space marines to me. It all matters is that Imperial Knights are going to be sweet, and I'm super excited. Anyways, Doug, do you have any more questions, like, right now, off the top of your I'm head? I'm sure I'm going to crack a book uh, on this in a couple days and be like, why didn't I ask about this? But I, I am at least excited to to try it out, to try and get back into it, and uh, and blow the dust off of my massive army that's just been in a closet for forever. So. Yeah. 
I'm super excited. I haven't played 40K in months just because of my work schedule. So like 10th edition is like, I need to move to Idaho as fast as I can and jump in a game store. But well, there's, I, I happen to know where you're going. There is a, an absolutely massive, excellent game store up there. So yes. you'll be happy. There's several. There's three within five yeah, minutes yeah. of my work. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So super excited. Anyways, if you guys love 40K, if you're interested in 40K, or you just flat out think we're crazy for even talking about 40K, hit our Discord, let us know, jump on our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever your you know flavor of the month is, let us know. We want to talk to you about it. We won't try to convince you to play 40K, but it might seem that way. Anyways, <laughs> make sure you leave a comment too. Talk about how Kyle is a D-bag and shouldn't be looking at rocks right now. Matt. I'm Doug. And we're two-thirds of the casual tutors. We're what thanks really matters. For, right, right. I, I think I'm supposed to say thanks for listening instead of making some kind of, uh, you know, obligatory outro. Yeah. Anyways, talk to you guys later. <laughs>